Philippians 2. Wow, we've made it. Made it through a whole chapter, starting a new chapter. Philippians 2. Found in your Pew Bibles on page 954. Page 954. We've, we've started, we've moved, we've done one, two, three sections of the scripture around. We're starting on that one right there. So big strides are being made in our progress. And I hope those of you who are involved in the Bible studies are enjoying them and learning a lot. I'm having a lot of fun in mine. It always involves chocolate. So if you're looking for a really good thing to uh, revive a Bible study or just, you know, make a good Bible study even better, just bring the chocolate. That's free advice. There's no extra charge for that. All right, Philippians 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. Paul writes this. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Have you wondered what the Philippians were arguing about? I mean, maybe it was theology, you know, maybe they're having some big discussion over circumcision and baptism and how those two link together and if they still needed both and what happened then. Maybe it was liturgical. Maybe they were trying to figure out how to bring the Jewish practices of worship that they had gathered around down at the river into this community that was now made up of slaves and Roman soldiers and Greeks. How do we do this together? Who reads the psalm? Who lights the candles? Who says the blessings? How does this work? Maybe it was personal. You know, because they had people coming in from all walks of life and... You know, initially that's like, wow, great, we're all from all walks of life. And then it's like, my walk of life is better than your walk of life. Come walk in my walk of life. Leads to some conflict. We aren't really told in Philippians what it is. But we know that there's something. Because woven throughout this letter is the call to unity. A call to being of one mind. A call to humility called to laying down one's own preferences for the sake of the other. Paul had deep affection for this community that comes through in this letter again and again and again. 
And because he had such a deep affection for this community, when they weren't getting along with each other, it just weighed on his heart. Disagreement among this community weighed on his heart. And we get that. Because we know how disagreement among members of a community can just weigh on a person's heart. When you have a conflict with your roommate, it tends to permeate everything else in your day. And then you find that you don't want to go back to your room. And then you find you really don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the floor. And then you find you really don't even want to go back to the dorm. And so not only are you missing out on the community with the roommate, but you're also missing out on the relationships with the floor and the relationship with the dorm, and you find yourself being pulled away. And it weighs on you. And when you have conflict with a teammate, and you think, I don't really want to go to practice because she's going to be there, and I don't really want to see her. She's kind of driving me a little crazy right now. And then you have to do the drills, and you have to do the drills with her, and you really don't even want to be looking at her at all. If you get the chance, you like throw the ball somewhere else, or you kick it somewhere else, whatever you got to do with the ball. <laughs> you send it in a completely different direction. But the whole team can feel it. And if we have disagreements among campus stuff, we all feel that too, you know, whether it's like, we should have more open house hours, lots more. <laughs> you know, or if it's a discussion about creation and evolution, or sexuality, or diversity. We're an intellectual community, we're an academic community, so when people throw out ideas, we take them seriously. We like to think well about different things. The challenge is, we don't always agree with each other. There was a line in the Purple Book this week, the Dwelling with Philippians book, the book with the cool pictures in it. It said, um, if you have two rabbis, you have three opinions. <laughs> and I want to amend that and say, if you have two Calvin people, you have three opinions, all of which have footnotes and subpoints. <laughs> and then they get posted on Facebook or a listserv or printed in chimes and it just kind of goes out. And this disagreement all goes out, and we're not all thinking clearly, we're not all together on different things, and it can weigh on a community, it can weigh on our hearts. And this is exactly why Paul wrote. Because contentiousness in a Christian community isn't new news. It's very old news. It's not like all of a sudden here in 2010, it's like, what? Christians aren't getting along? Are you kidding me? Shocking. <laughs> it's like, no, the Philippians didn't get along, and the Ephesians didn't get along, and the Galatians didn't get along, and the Thessalonians didn't get along, and the Corinthians didn't get along. The apostles didn't get along with each other. Nobody got along. There's a lot of not getting along here. So Paul has to say, if there's any encouragement in being united with Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion, any sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Now, what's the implication there? 
that they have been doing things from selfish ambition and conceit. In humility, regard others as better than yourselves, because obviously they weren't. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others for our time, please. There's this strong mojo throughout the letter of Philippians that says, you guys got to get along. Come on. And then he says this, that the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul isn't talking there about everybody's got to think exactly the same way about everything. It's not a cognitive mind. It's not a, you know, we are Borg kind of sense of assimilation. Everyone's got to be exactly the same way. Seven of nine. This is where I fall into place. It's not that idea at all. He's not arguing against creativity or originality. He's saying this is what's got to be. Let the same mind, and by mind he means motivation, the reason for being, the thing out of which you operate, the reason why you get up in the morning, let that same thing in you be the same thing that was in Jesus. Let the same mind in you be the mind of Jesus Christ. And then he puts in this beautiful poem about Jesus. And scholars don't know if he wrote it or if some other Christian poet wrote it, or maybe it came out of the Philippians community and he was offering it back to them. But there's this beautiful poem that kind of puts Jesus through the descent into death and then the rising again. Jesus, who did not consider quality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking on human flesh, dying. And therefore, God raised him and exalted him. And it would be very tempting to read that little section and say, oh, I get this. I get what was going on here. Jesus, Jesus had his God parts, and then he laid down his God parts, and he took on some human parts, and then he died, and then he rose again, and then God gave him his God parts back. That. That's kind of the way it goes. And we've got a word for that idea. We call that heresy. Because <laughs> that's not what's going on there at all. Not at all. It's not like Jesus, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all playing at cards. Jesus loses. And he's like, oh man, I gotta get the Jewish baby suit on and do the whole thing with a. <laughs> no! No! That's not it at all. Verse 6 is actually saying here that because he was God, he did the most God thing God could do. He emptied himself. It wasn't that he took his divinity off and put it on the shelf and just like took on the humanity part. It's because he was God, because he was divine, because this is who God is. God is one who lays down himself for the other. God is one who acts on behalf of the one who is hurting. God is the one who reaches down when the person can't even reach up. 
Christ, who is in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. Because that's what God does. That's what God does. And the implication then Paul is saying is, and that's what you should do. That the same mind, reason for being, chutzpah, impetus, reason you get up in the morning, be the same thing that animates our God, which is you lay down your life for the other. You embrace selflessness. You move into generosity and giving. In my Bible study this week, one of uh, the members talked about a garage sale that she had with a friend of hers. This friend was moving out of state. She and her family were moving into a much smaller house. And so she said, I'm not just going to have a garage sale. I'm going to have a giveaway. I'm going to give stuff away. I don't need the, you know, $75 I'm going to get for a garage. I just want to give this stuff away. And so they started to advertise that this was a garage sale that was going to be just a giveaway. And she said to us, you wouldn't believe how many people we had to convince. People came to that garage sale and they'd be like, no, 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 how much for the bureau? And they'd be like, no, 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 take it. Like, no, no, seriously, seriously. No, they're like, seriously, take it. Really, they'd say. And she found out, she said, what we really had to do was say to people, here's a bag. Like, go fill it. Really, take the stuff. And she said, once they realized that everything in the garage sale was free, and this just wasn't just, you know, the cruddy stuff, like the lamp that doesn't work and the, you know, computer for 1987. This was like good stuff. It was like good furniture and good appliances. And once people realized that this was really free, for their faces went from this to this. And they were like going around, like bringing stuff to their cars and throwing stuff in the bag. And they were all fired up because they realized it was free. But they had to be talked into it. And there was one woman in particular that they had a hard time convincing that this was actually free stuff. She just couldn't be convinced. She was like, come on, no, seriously, let me pay you something. They were like, no, we don't want your money. Please let me pay. No, we don't want your money. Please let me pay. No. Go shopping. (laughs) And I think for so many of us, particularly in this community, God says, it's free. It's free for you. Forgiveness. Here you go. Love. Have some more. And here's a little joy to go along with it. It's all because of Jesus Christ. Come on down. Here's a bag. And we stand around and we go, seriously? I don't have to do anything? Come on, let me pay you back. Let me do some good stuff. You know, like I'll go to some unlearned things this week. That'll give me some like points or something, right? I like, I like give money. That'll help, right? I like, I like be a volunteer worshipy person. Like, let me do something. I got to do something, right? Let me do something. And God's like, seriously, it's free. It's free. Here's the way it works. 
Jesus Christ, Son of God, dies, rises again. God exalts him to the highest place so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and it's free. And you get to just bow the knee. You get to open your mouth. You get to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. The reason we do Unlearn Week here at Calvin College is not because we're all full of a bunch of white liberal guilt. It's not to be politically correct. It's not to check it off our box, like racism, classism, genderism, religionism. It's not like we're just checking things off our box, like let's address it for the week, we've done it, we've satisfied those people, let's move on. The reason we do Unlearn Week is because we bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Paul says to the Philippians, you want to build community? Don't talk about building community. It's not like, hey, let's build community. Build community. You know how to build community? Be like Jesus. Bow the knee to Jesus. Proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord in everything you do and say. That's how you build community. The woman at the garage sale, the one that they had such a hard time convincing, she takes her stuff and she goes off. She comes back about an hour later and she has a pan of brownies. And she says, these are for your children because they've been out here all morning. And they said, wow, that was really kind of you. And she said, one good turn deserves another. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ. Let the needs of others go before the needs of yourself. Some of you need to make brownies for your roommate. Some of that literally, <laughs> many of you figuratively. <laughs> Some of you need to make brownies for a teammate. Some of us need to make brownies for RDs or administrators or someone on campus that we're not seeing eye to eye with. Because when God in Christ has given you everything. When he has shown you that in dying you rise. When he has demonstrated for you that you do not need to be afraid of taking the first step toward reconciliation. When he has demonstrated for you that dying only brings more life. When he has shown you in his son, Jesus Christ, that this is who God, Father, Son, and Spirit are all about, selflessness and generosity, and here's the bag, and go shopping. What you do in response is not good doobie deeds. What you do is you go out and you make brownies for somebody else. Because God has given you so much. What can you give to someone else? How can you take what God has given and turn it into a grateful expression in how you live the rest of your life? You do what you do not to earn God points, 
not to pay God back. You do what you do to express your gratitude for the Son of God who came and emptied himself and died so that you can live. And living involves reconciliation. It involves laying yourself out for the needs of another. And I know for some of you, you're looking at Unlearn Week and you're like, really, this is a bad week for me. I'm busy, I got stuff going on. I've, I've never called anybody a bad name. I, this isn't a thing for me. I don't consider myself a racist. Others of you are thinking, you know, I'm a minority person, but I don't want this to be the thing of my week. Having everyone ask me about my minority experience at Galvin College, I just don't want that. What is it going to look like for us this week to be selfless around this? There are stories on campus that need to be told. There are people on campus who are hurting. And we get the chance to listen and to love and to make brownies. We get the opportunity because of what God in Christ has done for us to move toward reconciliation. And whether that's with a roommate, or whether that's with a person whose faith background is different from ours, or whether that's with a person whose political beliefs are completely opposite of ours, or whose culture or racial background is completely different from ours, if we have the opportunity to move toward reconciliation, we have to do it. Because that's what it means to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to proclaim his name as Lord of all. It doesn't just mean we gather in here and we lift our hands and we blow the roof off the place, which is fantastic. It means that we take what is here. We take the lived reality of our experience here, our baptized identity, our brother and sister in Jesus Christ, and we live it out. We live it out. Because God selflessly moved toward us in an effort to be reconciled. We selflessly move toward others in an effort to be reconciled. I was talking with a friend this week about conflicts. And he said to me, would you describe any of, any of the parties that, as your enemy? And I said, no. And he said, do you find it easier to pray for some of the people than for others of the people? And I said, yes. And he said, what would it look like if you prayed for them all the same? I was like, oh. Hmm. Hmm. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Christ, who was in the form of God, did not consider equality of God was something to be exploited, but emptied himself. What would it look like if you were the one who made the move toward reconciliation? Who is the Holy Spirit placing in your heart right now and telling you it's time to pray for this person. It's time to talk to this person. It's time to forgive this person. It's time to make this person some brownies.
God has given us so much. Out of gratitude, we give everything back to God. That's the way it works in this beautiful, divine economy. God is inviting you to all the forgiveness you want, all the love you want, and all the joy you want, and then bring it out. Take it with you. Spread it. Because one good turn deserves another. Will you pray with me? Oh God, our hearts are indeed heavy when disagreement comes up between Christians. When conflict prevents us from listening well. When we're trying so hard to be heard that we forget how to listen. We pray, gracious God, this week that we will love the way you love us, that we will be selfless, that we will seek out the other, that we will do everything in our power to make the move toward reconciliation, to make the move toward forgiveness, to make the move toward making things right, giving the other person the benefit of the doubt. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do not call us to do things that you do not equip us for. And so we pray that as we think of a person or people or someone that we need to move forward toward this week, that we will do so in the courage that you give us, knowing that you go ahead and you pave the way. And we thank you for Jesus Christ who died and rose again so that we can live. And we do plead with you, gracious God, that we will be people who bend the knee, who proclaim loudly that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is in his powerful name that we pray and all God's people say, amen.